On Tuesday, February 13th, Common Sense Institute hosted its quarterly Eggs and the Economy event. This edition was titled, Supply and Demand, What to Know About Today's Degrees and Tomorrow's Jobs. Our panelists included President of Metropolitan State University, Janine Davidson, former CEO of the Rocky Mountain Mechanical Contractors Association, Dave DeVia, Mayor of Aurora, Mike Kaufman, President and CEO of Junior Achievement, Robin Wise, and CSI Education Fellow, Jason Galden. The discussion was moderated by Luigi Del Puerto, editor of Colorado Politics and the Denver Gazette. CSI President and CEO Kristen Strom welcomes you to the event. And now, please enjoy this edition of Eggs and the Economy. My name is Kristen Strom. I am President and CEO of Common Sense Institute. Thank you so much for being here this early morning. Um, it's a special edition of Eggs and the Economy education style, which it's about time. We haven't dove into education in quite some time, and we've been hearing from a lot of you that you are hungry for so much more information on all of the workforce challenges that our state is facing. For those of you that don't know about Common Sense Institute, we are a nonpartisan research organization dedicated to the protection and promotion of Colorado's economy. At CSI, we like to lead with the facts, we like to lead with data, and we lean in, unabashed, unashamed. We're chronicling the good and the bad in the state so that policymakers, citizens can make informed decisions about the issues that matter most. Before we get started, I would like to have our board of directors please stand and thank you all for your service. Since this is CSI's first event of the new year, I thought that I would just share a little bit of good news. We had an amazing 2023. Our team of fellows and researchers just did an incredible job. Our metrics and our impact grew in every single measure. We released 85 reports in one year, which, I mean, amazing. We had over 1,200 media mentions locally, nationally, and even internationally. As you can see, CSI is really driving the debate, shaping the narrative, and having a huge impact on Colorado. One of our guiding principles is nonpartisanship. And we really believe that in order to solve some of our state's greatest challenges, we must bridge the divide, bring people together, and that's what our fellows do. I'm really proud to share that we have 12 bipartisan policy fellows who help inform and educate Coloradans on the issues. Fellows like Jason Galden, who co-authored this report and we'll hear from in a little bit. And our list of fellows continues to grow. Um, we're really pleased to announce that Kelly Bruff has joined our team as a fellow, and she will be studying urban development issues, particularly infrastructure. So before we get into today's program, I thought that I would just highlight the importance of this workforce report. It's really a much needed report that provides a new perspective on how well the state's education system is aligned with the workforce demands of the future. In 2018, CSI partnered with Colorado Succeeds, along with many leading chambers across the state, 
and we released a report, What If Colorado Schools Were Number One? It helped frame the debate in 2018 ahead of that gubernatorial election. It helped reinforce why education and workforce should be a top priority for Colorado's governor. In the years since, the awareness around the need, especially the increase in the state's post-secondary attainment, has only grown. This report today builds on past CSI work and introduces a new diagnostic tool to gauge how well the state's post-secondary attainment levels match up with the needs of the future workforce. Tamara Ryan, CSI's Coors Economic Mobility Fellow, said it best when she last year cited in her report, we're leaving $46 billion on the table because of labor shortage and workforce gaps in our state. We're so excited to share the latest things of this report with you. First, I really want to thank our partner, Colorado Succeeds. Without them, we, this report would not have been possible. Special thanks especially to Scott LeBand, Shannon Nicholas, and Katie Zabak. And I also want to acknowledge all of the other partner organizations who helped to inform the findings of this report. Thank you. I also want to give special thanks to the Walton Family Foundation for their generous support of CSI's education research, including this report. And if you like what you hear today, if you enjoy this, I would uh, encourage you to mark your calendar for our next Eggs in the Economy dates. Here they are, April 16th, June 4th, September 10th. Please mark those in your calendar. Those will be our next upcoming events. So let's now get to the program. Please help me welcome Chris Brown, CSI's VP of Policy and Research, to provide an overview on the report's key findings, along with Katie Zabak, VP of Policy with Colorado Succeeds, who will go over recommendations and a path forward. We'll then, after their conversation, open to a panel that will be moderated by Luigi, um, for a broader conversation about workforce and higher ed alignment from the state's top leaders and higher education leaders. So Chris, Katie, it's yours. Fantastic, and thank you again. It's great to see a great turnout. Um, there is, we may have a labor shortage, but there's no shortage in this room. Kristen paid me to say that joke. Just kidding. Uh, no, thank you. It's amazing to see great faces in the morning and talk about a, a topic that is is front of mind for many. You know, CSI is viewing 2020-24 as a year of transparency in many ways, focusing on tools and data that can help inform the debate. And we're excited to unveil some of the findings and really start the conversation for us in the analysis that we think we can provide to this critical topic around education to workforce pipeline. This report focused on three dimensions to this discussion, specifically the attainment gap of native-born Coloradans, the alignment of current education completions with the future job market demands, and 
recommendations on how to move forward. And I'll address the first two and Katie will talk about the recommendations. You know, as Kristen mentioned, prior analysis from CSI has indicated the labor shortage alone is costing about $46 billion in, in foregone economic potential. In this report, what we've done is taken a look at the skills gap or the attainment gap specifically for Colorado residents, adults born in the state or the state's native population that in some degree is representative of those that have come through our K-12 system and found that while the workforce demands 73% of, of jobs have some form of post-secondary uh, education, about 66% of adults uh, born in the state have those, those, th that level of, of education. The gap is nearly 80,000 workers. If we were to see skills gap uh, uh, ended, you would see those individuals earning about $27,000 more per individual, about $2 billion more in total wages, uh, more than doubling the annual job growth that we saw last year for Colorado as we added about 25,000 more jobs at $3 billion state GDP. So the, the economic stakes are large. The tool itself, and I realize for many of those in the back probably can't see the details in this slide, and I, I, I swear I do this on purpose so you have to read the report. Uh, just kidding. Sorry about that. But this is, this is the, what we ended up doing, and huge credit to CSI's senior, re, uh, senior research analyst, Eric Gam, for thinking this through and doing this model, and to Jason Galden for leading this work, that linked together for the first time a data set, an experimental data set from Census, the PSEO, the Post-Secondary Employment Outcomes data set that looks, links from institutions to industries, we, linked, we tracked that against occupations so we could project the likely occupation and occupational projections for uh, students, the 2022 graduating class and some prior graduating classes, and compare that to an occupational forecast from the state. And what this is showing you is the differentials. So it's saying, what's the different percent percentage of occupations likely being supplied versus demanded in the 2031 workforce. And no surprise, in some areas there is an oversupply, in other areas there is an undersupply. And this chart sort of details where we are seeing those, those largest discrepancies. To some degree, the, there is some good news in that when we measured the alignment of completions prior to 2022, so that's graduates through 2021, relative to 2022 class, we actually saw an improvement. Therefore, the, the overall alignment is improving, and you would expect that as every graduating class may become more uh, reflective of what the future workforce demands are. However, and I think a key piece that I, I think will come out in this panel and that I'm looking forward to in the discussion, the details ultimately matter. In one area, the area, let's say, that we, are, we had the most oversupply, this area of production-related jobs, the alignment improved. And again, you're going to take my word for it because these numbers uh, are a little too small. But ultimately, the alignment improved. However, in two critical categories where we have the projected largest undersupply, that is, the likely occupations are uh, not sufficient to meet workforce demands, 
particularly in business and finance management and uh, uh, computer and software, the alignment actually got worse. And therefore, the score went down with the 2022 class. So the details on this matter. Um, ultimately, I think data and information is needed to help steer both students and help students navigate this and institutions and business leaders. And very much excited to hear from Katie and her recommendations. Thanks, Chris. Um, we are so lucky to have Common Sense Institute to put out this kind of smart economic analysis um, because it gives us all better information to make decisions. Um, my name is Katie Zabak. I'm the Vice President of Policy at Colorado Succeeds. And many of you know that Colorado Succeeds is a business coalition of leaders across Colorado who have been working to improve education and workforce for uh, more than a decade and a half. Um, and we do this by advocating for strong policy and um, by making sure that that policy gets implemented well and making adjustments when we find that it's not having the impact that we want it to have. Um, a lot of our work is about partnership and coming together with community to make um, change. And so this year we were delighted to launch the Education to Employment Alliance with four other business, statewide business entities who are noticing that workforce is a top issue for their members. So um, those uh, partners are Colorado Chamber, Colorado Inclusive Economy, Colorado Technology Association, and Colorado Thrives, and we're just delighted to be working with them to address some of these challenges together. Um, this partnership is about identifying gaps, which this report is an important tool for doing, um, then identifying solutions for addressing those gaps, and then monitoring progress and making adjustments as needed. Um, and we are committed in this work to work with education providers and with the government and the various different entities who have an impact in doing this. Business needs to be at the table to help solve our state's workforce needs and to make sure that we're addressing some of these gaps that this report puts out. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about the recommendations in the report. Uh, the Alliance launched in October and put out a series of recommendations. And what is great about the, the CSI report is that the CSI report becomes a tool for us to understand where there are gaps and challenges. Um, it reinforced what we heard on the ground when we went out and talked to our collective constituencies about what they were seeing. So I always love that when the data reinforces what we hear on the ground by anecdote. Um, and it gives us some direction by which we need to be focusing. Um, the other thing that I think is really important is that this report underscores the importance of the recommendations that we put out in October, and we're very happy to see these recommendations reflected in this report as well because we think that they're the right set of five policies that we need to be coming together collectively around. Um, I'm not going to talk about all the recommendations. I'm going to focus on three, but I encourage you to read them all. The first recommendation, or and the three recommendations I'm going to talk about are using data to make more informed decisions um, and enabling that process. The second thing is um, how do we turn that into actual action? And then finally, how do we help equip businesses to be part of the solution and at the table? So the first recommendation in the report is um, underscored by this report itself, actually the CSI report, um, and that is that we need better data to understand how we should direct our resources. So this report is an excellent example of the power of data and how we can turn data into information. 
Unfortunately, Colorado is a really data-rich state, but we're an information-poor state. We don't know which of our programs that we've invested in are working the, as well, and so we can't make public or private investments in those programs. So we're hoping to see significant improvements in and modernization in how the state is using data and releasing information to all of us so that we can make better decisions. Um, and we hope that you'll join us in advocating for those changes. The second recommendation is around taking the information that we get and turning it into action. Um, so the second recommendation calls for regional talent development planning. We do a lot of planning on the regional level. Almost all of it's done in a silo disconnected from each other. So we're calling for some connective tissue at the regional level to bring um, workforce, education, and business together to identify regional talent plans and then to make progress towards those regional talent plans. Because the thing that we don't see in the report is that these trends look different on a regional level. And then the final thing is, uh, the fourth recommendation in the report is, how do we get business to the table? Oftentimes, students aren't pursuing in-demand careers because they don't know about them. And the best way for them to learn about them is to do an internship, an apprenticeship, some kind of high-quality career-connected learning experience early in their education. But it's not easy for small and medium-sized businesses who make up the majority of Colorado businesses to offer those opportunities. So we need to give them resources to do that. Um, so those are the top three um, recommendations I want to highlight today. I highlight them because I think we're going to see some movement on them, and we hope that you will help get involved in helping us move them forward. Um, the other two recommendations, three and five, have to do with making sure students have the right pathways in high school and in college, and making sure that our education institutions are teaching the right skills and are aligned with what our businesses need. So take a look at those recommendations. And I know that the panel have really important insight about what they're already doing on the ground and what we can do more of um, with data like this to improve outcomes for Colorado. So I will turn it over to Chris to introduce the panel. Thank you, Katie. So without further ado, I want to turn it over to Colorado Politics and Denver Gazette editor Luigi Del Puerto to uh, engage in this topic discussion with our panelists, a passionate advocate for education, very so passionate son to listen to the panel, which is incredible. So thank you, Luigi. Good morning. Thank you for having me. It's a beautiful, chilly Tuesday morning. So that's great. I'm from Arizona, so I feel the cold. Um, a quick show of hands. Who among you here uh, have a degree in the social sciences, in the liberal arts, philosophy, I almost, well, I would say almost half, maybe more than half, something like that. Well, in a couple of years, society won't have a need for you. <laughs> but at least you followed your dream, so that's great. Uh, can, uh, can we ask our panelists to join us on the stage? Uh, no, that anywhere would do, would do. Let's give them a moment to um, put on their mics.
Perfect. Um, so joining us this morning uh, are Mayor Mike Kaufman, of course, the mayor of Aurora. Uh, mayor um, Kaufman is, of course, the voice on a panel from our local government. He's a dedicated public servant and military veteran. Thank you, sir. Also joining us uh, is Janine Davidson, the president of Metropolitan State University. MSU, of course, is one of the great institutions leading the way and ensuring that their students are not only getting degrees, but using them, using those degrees to enter the workforce after graduation. Janine, thank you for joining us. Also joining us this morning is Robin Weiss, the CEO of Junior Achievement Rocky Mountain. As the president and CEO of Junior Achievement Rocky Mountain, uh, Robin provides leadership and vision for the largest economics education organization in the region. Under her direction, uh, her organization inspires students uh, to, su uh, to succeed through vital pillars, financial literacy and workforce readiness. Robin, thank you for joining us. Also joining us um, this morning is uh, Jason Golden. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yeah. Awesome. Perfect. Uh, of course, Jason is a, CIS, is a CSI education fellow. He's a partner at Oak Rose Group, a strategy consulting firm specializing in education, workforce development, and economic mobility. Jason, thank you. Hi. Hi and last but not the least, of course, we have Dave Davia, the CEO of Colorado Concern. Dave is the vice chair of CSI's board. He just transitioned to CEO of Colorado Concern and was formerly the CEO of the Rocky Mountain Mechanical Contractor Association. Thank you for being here. You know, you've seen the TikTok, right? Uh, uh, young men and women uh, just graduated, graduated from college lamenting that either they can't find a good job or that they can't find a decent job, or if they have a job, it's not enough for them to live independently. And it's, it's quite tragic. I was reading the report again last night. I can't help but think that maybe it's not necessarily their fault. Uh, it may not necessarily be society's fault, but maybe there is a misalignment in what society needs and the graduates that we're producing. That's what we're going to talk about today. I want to ask Dave first. Um, I want to, Dave, I want to hear from, obviously, from you know, the employer's perspective, and, and I want to understand uh, how you deal with this issue, of course. Um, but first, do you agree with the premise of the report? Just really quickly. So thank you, Luigi. Uh, we, uh, I've read the report being on the board for CSI Colorado, um, and yes, we do agree. Uh, we do have shortage in available workforce, and those in the technical education that are, I'm going to talk about the former employer, uh, our needs. And so um, we appreciate the work CSI does. We appreciate uh, the talented staff and team that continue to support and produce 85 reports, uh, like the one that you're hearing about this morning. Uh, and we also have, uh, we're doing our part at CSI, uh, and we have a great group of interns and folks that start with us. One of the folks that contributed to this report, and I'm going to share her. Uh, immensely this morning is Emma. Uh, she's a staff. If you can raise your hand or, or wave, 
Uh, we want to thank you. Uh, she's working a, on technical. She's avoiding eye contact. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're working on technical issues. So uh, she's one of our talented interns that just started with us last month and is a big contributor to our report. So thank you for all that you've done and thank you uh, for your work on CSI. So. So, so Dave, at the uh, the Rocky Mountain Mechanical Contractors Association, you work directly to create your own college. What was the impetus for it? So, uh, in the skilled trades, we uh, partner with five different uh, apprenticeship centers. So we pe we teach people how to be uh, plumbing, HVAC, welders, pipe fitters, and the like. Um, and in that process, uh, we. Uh, decided, uh, how many of you, just out of show of hands, how many of you went to high school or some kind of uh, post-junior high uh, where you had access to uh, shop, metals, what, raise your hands, okay. So that's almost the majority of the room. That fell out of favor in the 80s, and we started to see a transition of access to invisibility to the trades. Uh, and so we, we love higher ed. Uh, and we employ a lot of folks that come out of the higher ed system uh, from MSU to CSU to CU to DU uh, and uh, CMU. And so um, this is not uh, to replace what they have in store, but it's to give the folks, men and women who come into our craft, the ability to earn that post-secondary education. And you know, oftentimes construction and service industries are looked at as a fallback position versus a primary uh, option. Not everybody uh, is uh, going to be successful in a four-year institution. And because we don't have that access or visibility for students into the trades, whatever they may be, um, we've kind of struggled with that and decided we're going to start our own uh, college uh, and credentialed it. And we issued our first diplomas. Um, let me think about this, in November of last year. Um, and so it's a two-year uh, associate's degree. Um, our students attend five years, four to five years uh, of schooling to become a journey person. Um, and just to compare, they attend about 13, anywhere from 8,800 to 13,000 hours of training um, throughout their uh, apprenticeship. Um, and just to compare that to a four-year degree, uh, that, that's about 5,400 contact hours as compared to 8,800. And so there is a, uh, there is a legitimate kind of uh, visibility or um, kind of stigma that attaches to the trades. And we set out to change that uh, because yeah. folks come to your homes uh, during this last cold uh, how many people needed a, a plumber or a pipe HVAC technician to their house? Um, and so we really set out to change the narrative. And uh, we are about to graduate our second class here. And so it's been a labor of love for about five years because we're not in higher ed. We're in apprenticeship. And so it's really a bridge between higher ed and the Department of Labor is what we uh, crafted and built. Thank you, David. appreciate that. Um, it's not too late to switch careers, by the way. Uh. Um, so, Robin, you're the only person on the panel who uh, works directly with students uh, before they enter higher education. Um, I also know that the Rocky Mountain Junior Achievement um, just launched the Daniels Fund GA Dream Accelerator. So, 
what exactly are you hearing from young people? What, what jobs do they want to enter? Um, where do they go for advice, for example, on how to navigate and figure out what they want to do? Obviously, these are very young people. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, we work with kids kindergarten through 12th grade. And it, I think our whole thing is self-sufficiency. And uh, we, we want kids to lead lives of choice. And what we're hearing from kids, and this is thousands of kids, folks. And what we're hearing, particularly from middle school kids and high school kids, just bulk of what we reach, they, they're, they're stressed about feeling like they need to have a plan. They want to have a plan, but they don't, they don't know what they could do or be. And so I think that the beauty of, of programs like Teens Achievement is um, putting so many volunteers in front of young people to see the different jobs that, that people have and the lives that they lead. So the Dream Accelerator that uh, was mentioned is a new program uh, of ours. And um, it was we, we designed it to help young people find the path to pur their path to purpose. And putting it in a really boring way, their occupational identity. But uh, it, it's, more, it's more than that. It's, it's finding what inspires you. And there's so much behavioral science around having a path to purpose and how it leads to all those durable skills that employers keep talking about of, of showing up on time and being reliable and critical thinking and problem solving. So all of that mishmashes into this important path to purpose. And so in the Dream Accelerator, it's it was designed by the, um, the um, company that did the, the Spy Museum in DC, if anybody's been there, if anybody's been to the College Football Hall of Fame. These are, these are the geniuses behind the software that uh, we've, we've um, built this Dream Accelerator for, for with. But we, so I mentioned behavioral science very quickly. You gotta, you gotta know yourself. And so one of the experiences in the Dream Accelerator is picture your strengths. And so it, it's really interesting. We, we can collect all this aggregated data on the back end, speaking about data. <clears throat> we know that um, a lot of kids, so far, that we just opened this in, in September, but the largest number of students um, have, they have creativity. They feel like, I mean, those are the strengths that they've chosen. Um, they have uh, self-control. And so they, these are all, this is all really good news. The least, the least interested was a political campaign, running a political campaign. Uh-oh. So you're, I think your job safe. Your job safe. So it really, it's really, it, it's, it, uh, you, shocker, you've done that. Way. You've done the Dream Accelerator, I've you know. I've the Dream Accelerator and said I should find something else to do. Yeah, so, <laughs> it's, it's very fun. So, um, and then the last thing on this Dream Accelerator is 
that uh, there's, a, there's augmented reality, it's the visualization wall. And so all 16 career clusters are represented there. And they pick goals from this thing. You guys have to come see it, please come tour. It's so cool. But they pick these goals, and here's the good news, folks. The top two goals, well, okay, they all wanna make money. So they all click on the money symbol, which is really cool. But then they, they want a business and finance career, and this, or they wanna learn more about it. These are not people who have self-selected to come to Dream Accelerator. And then the second top choice was uh, volunteering in a medical facility. So, and let me just say really quickly, of our volunteers, most of them are business leaders, wow. business people, but we've only had 35 people volunteer out of 3,000 volunteers, 35 of them have been from the healthcare industry. Thanks, Robin. You can't be what you can't see. Right. Thank you, I appreciate that. Um, so they're, they're selecting, they're really interested in business and finance, and they're not interested in politics, which brings yes. me to Mayor Kaufman. Um, <laughs> uh, Mayor, you know, from, from our panelists, I expect deep insights into workforce and development. From you, I want short, outrageous comments. <laughs> That's easy. What has, what is this, let me, let me ask, let me pose the question to you this way. What can local governments do to bridge that gap? What are you, you know, obviously you're hearing from business people. What have you done? What have you, what has your city done, for example? Well, I tell you, we've got, um, we have a great partner, first of all, in our community college, community college of Aurora. And what they've done, I think is extraordinary, that, that um, they have really reached out to uh, our business community uh, and said, what do you need? Uh, in terms of uh, skill sets. And, and, and what is amazing too, and when does this happen in government, is that uh, our president, uh, Mordecai Brownlee, has also shed programs that don't lead to jobs, uh, academic programs that don't lead to jobs. But I think that partnership, uh, which, which is, uh, in fact, they've just uh, opened, we, we're, uh, as many communities, we're short of uh, police officers, short of law enforcement. And, they, and we've just started a program with them, uh, a, a cadet program, uh, to bring young people into law enforcement through the community college system, the community college of Aurora. And so I think they've been, they've been a great partner. Let me tell you, you know, um, one of the things that really I find disturbing is when I go visit a K through 12 school, public school, and, and, I, and I ask an administrator, I said, what's your metric of success uh, for this school? And it's just how many kids go to college? And it's not what they study. And I got a lot of angry young people who come up to me uh, who you know, say, look, I don't have a job that pays the living wage. Well, what they did is they, they, they went to a, a, maybe a four-year institution and studied whatever that they were interested in because that, that's what they were encouraged to do. Um, they got a job at the end of it, no better than what they would have gotten with just a high school diploma, but now they have debt on top of it. So it's a path to poverty. And so... Um, you know, we really, I, I, I want to thank CSI. Uh, I can't think of anything more critical to the Colorado economy than aligning the needs of this economy uh, with, uh, with what we're teaching in higher education. Thank you. You know, um, how, how many of you know how much the city manager, manager of Aurora makes? 
That, that's great. <laughs> I'm going to go with the it, mayor makes. It is, <laughs> it is $330,000 a year. And that's when I realized, when I edited that story the other day, that I'm truly in the wrong profession. <laughs> uh, Janine, um, how has your university tackled the issue of workforce alignment? Well, first of all, do you agree with the premise of the, of the report? And just really quickly, too, when students come to you and say, I want to chase my dream, I want to follow my dream, what do you exactly tell them? Uh, thank you. Uh, everybody hear me okay? Yeah. Um, thanks so much for this. Uh, first of all, the report, great work. I think we, it's a wake-up call for Colorado. We need to know where the gaps are. Um, I would add one thing to your level, list of recommendations, and it's the focus on the student. And I'll come back to that. Um, MSU Denver has been focused like a laser on this career piece. Um, we have a classroom-to-career hub, um, which is designed to connect industry to our students. And here's the deal. Remember when you went to college and you, this, what you guys are talking about is you kind of muck around, you figure out what you want to major in, you just whatever. And then you, when you pick your major, then, then you get an advisor in that department. And that department usually would, is, does, that advisor's job is to help you get, you know, graduate with all the right um, courses sequenced. Okay, but what if you pick the wrong major? Okay, that's what you're all talking about. Um, you either didn't love it, and let's face it, you're not going to be good at anything you don't love, um, or it's just not going to get you anywhere you need to go. We want to change. We want to push to the left of that timeline. We want to engage with students even before they come to us um, in the K through 12 and beyond. You know, so that they can figure out. It's a matching exercise, you guys. It isn't one side or the other. It's a matching exercise. What are your interests? What are you good at? And what could you do with that? That is the first step. And we really have to do better on that. I would like to gamify it. If anybody wants to help me build an app. Yeah, we've got one. That's what we need to do. We need to talk. Um, students don't know what's out there. So that's the first piece, helping them find their way. The second piece is, now how is it embedded into the curriculum? You may have an okay degree, oh, and I'm sorry, but liberal arts, humanities, um, not only will you have a job, but you will save the world, okay? It, it's, it's not the science that we're getting wrong. It, it, it's the politics that we're getting wrong and the ethics, and if Zuckerberg would have had one social scientist on his team, I'm oh, that's very I doubt he would have created those kind of algorithms, okay? So let's not totally, there are jobs, right? The point is this. We need to embed it into the curriculum in an experiential way. And the Classroom to Career Hub is designed to, not just to connect students to jobs upon graduation, but to correct an experiential learning, earn while you learn model throughout. Um, LinkedIn says that something like 60% of, quote, get this, entry level jobs for people with college degrees require three years of experience. Entry-level jobs, three, okay, so that's why your kids are graduating and coming back to your house and living in your basement and getting an internship after they graduate. That has to happen throughout, apprenticeships, co-ops, um, and so that's what we're trying to do at MSU Denver, the Classroom to Career Hub. We've got 5,000 industry partners. Industry is so eager to do this. So that, that's, that's our approach, and that's what we're trying to do. Thank you for that. That, that gives me hope. Um, Good. 
Yes, it, it, it really does. Look, I have, a, I have a 12-year-old kid in the back, and in a couple years, he's got to figure out what he wants to Don't do with his life. Don't listen to your dad. Major in what you love. Uh, Jason, Jason, I do want to ask you more specifically, what, what could state policymakers do to incentivize you know, credentials that are more responsive to industry, really more aligned with what we need in just six years? First of all, it's, uh, let's, let's be careful to give credit where credit is due. Colorado is, in fact, trending in the right direction. So when we looked at the data, uh, this, specific, th this report specifically hones in on the college to career pathway. It's, I'm not saying that's the only way. There's a lot of ways. There, there are technical boot camps. There are apprenticeships. There's good old-fashioned entrepreneurship. Uh, there's military training and then into the workforce. We're looking at the college to career pathway and the alignment thereof. And so what we found is what you heard so far. In some occupations, say construction, there's an absolutely profound uh, shortage of workers with the current craftsmen nearing retirement. In other occupations, say uh, you know, service professionals, well, it depends on the occupation. If you're talking about business or finance or information technology, there's a need for more. If you're talking about you know, areas like you know, food processing or materials storage or transportation, th those industries are more impacted by uh, augmented artificial intelligence, automation, things of that nature. There's a, a, a decreasing need for those specific kinds of workers but you have to find your place. Listen, with this report, CSI essentially joins uh, other allies in our clarion call for better alignment. And th there are things that can be done at the systemic level, many of which Katie uh, uh, so articulately explained. Uh, but what policymakers need to do is really realize that they have to, it's not just choice for sh choice sake, it's informed choice. They have to be better about embedding that, that knowledge. Uh, we have to be better about going upstream into K-12 and making sure students have the exposure, the exploration, uh, the ability to see with their own eyes and touch with their own hands various uh, career paths and spark their interest, inspire, motivate them so that they can make better decisions. So at the policy level, what we need is that information to be clear, transparent, user-friendly, up-to-date. And what does that mean? That means a close relationship between government, education, uh, and business. Because business uh, are best at projecting their workforce needs. They need to be sharing that information with institutions of higher learning here in the state. And our lawmakers, our policymakers, need to do their darn best to embed those kinds of, th that kind of knowledge and those kinds of best practices in a way that makes all of this information more accessible and usable to students. Thank you. Um, I want to open up to the audience. You might have ugly questions for our panel members. And um, Mena is out there. Yes, ma'am, go ahead. And please use the mic. Ma'am, ma'am, can you use the mic so we can catch it um, and capture it? Uh, my name is Kathleen Chandler. I just have a question about licensure reform. I think your idea of the partnership between government and education is really important. And part of that is when you are trying to get a job to be a hairdresser and you've got so many hours that you need to complete to become a hairdresser, it, there's a barrier to entry.
So what is the what is the solution from that government side for licenses, including nursing? I mean, there's a lot of out there that just require too much government in the way. Yeah, uh, any one of you, uh, Jeannie, yeah, go ahead. There's a lot of those cases. Correct me if I'm wrong, Will, but they're not government. They're the they're the industries that are creating those um, licensure things in, in many cases, not in all cases. And I think, I mean, I'm seeing you shake your head, but I do think that government probably can also um, encourage and um, incentivize, but like like the nursing accreditation, it's the their community that has created these. Now, government can push back, government can do some things, but um, I think you're hitting on it, something that I think is really important. Um, yes, sir, go ahead. I hate to, to say it, but being a member of a gender that has cognitive disability until they're 27 years of age. Uh, is this on? <laughs> yes. Uh, it, it seems to me that, that we're being a little bit idealistic, and I'm speaking to the president, uh, in hoping that the young people can have a clarity of mission with their education by the time they're 21 or 22. But clearly, when you get to be 26, 27, 28, there is a clarity of what you want to do. And one of the issues I'd like to ask you about is, what are universities ready to do, and what should they be ready to do to take that student, male or female, back into the classroom for either a certification or an advanced degree once they really have the, their uh, their I guess that the totality of their cognitive capabilities present. Uh, before you answer that question, I think Mayor, you you wanted to interject earlier on for the uh, with regards to the previous questions. Really quickly, sir. Well, just uh, very quick. That is that um, oftentimes these industry groups come to the legislature uh, and and get and and get this in in the law and where the, it's mandated that. All, all the regulatory stuff concerning uh, the, these professions that, that I think is unnecessary and there needs to be um, a reform uh, to that. And just want to say that w one of the things that, that not only our, our community college but also our school districts who offer uh, the same vocational programs to, to adults that they offer to younger people now um, have a lot of certificated programs which are very in computer science and a number of areas that really uh, enhance uh, the job and income prospects for, for their for their students. Thank you. Sure. Thank you for your question. It, it, there's so many layers to it. I just recently read a book called Generations, and it talks about how every generation from my fathers and the boomers and the Xers and all the way down, um, they're, they grow up later. They're getting married later. They're entering the workforce later. And there's a lot of theories about that. And some of it has to do with, I mean, the complexity of the job market and whatever. Um, so two things. One, um, I think, well, MSU Denver, about almost 60% of our students or 50% of our students are transfer students and adult learners. Our average age at MSU Denver is 25, and that's becoming the norm around the country, not at the selective schools, but that is the norm. People kind of fluff around, figure out what they want to do, come back, and we, want, we are the place that helps you know, that adult learner come back in, in a couple ways. One, we take as much of your prior learning credit as we possibly can in the transfer. Um, we, for instance, on the uh, Emily Griffith, we're giving 45 credit hours for people who want to come in and then upskill after the fact. 
So that's super important. And if you're out there working or if you're in the Navy and you're a nuclear engineer, you're going to have to take calculus. So we're going to give you credit for all of that stuff so that you can get to that next level. So all of that, helping adult learners realize that it's, it's doable, which is a, a thing. There's a lot of narratives out there that says just too darn hard. It's, it's too darn expensive. It's too out of touch. None of that stuff is true. Come back. We can help you get to your next level as an adult learner. The other thing, though, is I think that if we were more um, deliberate in doing what you're doing in K-12 and really helping students think about things sooner, um, that they can figure it out uh, maybe you know, by the time they're 20 or 22. They will at least understand that there's a cone of interest I have, there are an array of jobs I could have with that, and I can get started. And then that's, that starts that journey. We need to be more deliberate about that. I do think it will help if you. So I do want to ask just the other three really quickly. We are, we are almost out of time, but if you, in any um, last words of wisdom, just really quickly, let me start with Dave. So um, we as a profession suffer from what uh, Janine just described. Uh, our average apprentice is 26 years of age. Wow. So they go figure out life, they come back, uh, when they are facing, you know, the prospects of either being becoming married or trying to buy a house, um, maybe college never ended. I, I think I told Janine the story that, you know, after six months, you know, CU t decided to tell me that uh, I wasn't focused in the right place. I'm like, uh, beer drinking, frisbee throwing. I mean, isn't that what college <laughs> really really is about? Uh, but. Uh, I just would tell you that I think Robin's point is dead on. If you can't see it, you will never be it. Uh, and in construction, last year the average college graduate statewide started with a salary of $51,000. Our entry level first year apprentices make $45,000 a year. No training. We will take you in and start you on a path uh, to, to a career that ends you right now today somewhere in the mid-80s uh, with no debt. And that's a proposition that we need to articulate better and work on. Uh, and so I'll, I'll stop there, Luigi. Uh, no, I won't. Um, I will just say <laughs> that the following, uh, that, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we need folks coming to your house, fixing your house, fixing your building, uh, building or remodeling. And those are, those are folks, we, we face 50,000 workers, a shortage of 50,000 workers in construction today by the year 2030. And so even if we graduate maximum class size for every class we offer, we're not going to make that number. And, um, you know, if I dare touch on immigration, we got to figure that out at a federal level. Um, and I'm an immigrant, uh, my family is, and we've got to figure out how we fix a broken system uh, that does not work for us here in Colorado and across the United States. So when you were like figuring out, Dave, when you were figuring out what you were going to do, I mean, clearly you were not 25. Your brain wasn't fully formed then yet. Uh. Well, some would argue it's not today, Luigi. <laughs> uh, Robin, uh, ma'am, ma'am, go ahead. I was going to say, it's such a shame he's uncomfortable with the microphone. So uh, the student-to-counselor ratio is 500, 400-500 kids to one counselor in high schools. So, in co okay, and in colleges too. So if you think 
education is going to be the only thing that solves this. Um, kids, kids need to see you. And there are so many cool ways to engage, not only with Junior Achievement, but other organizations. And they need your help. Yeah. I, and, and I applaud you for MSU is a big sponsor in our building. Thank you. Dave. You have done so much to get the trades people as volunteers for Junior Achievement. It's so, Dave, you were going to say something just really yeah. quickly, sir. And I was remiss in saying Colorado Succeeds and my colleague Scott LeBan and his team have done outstanding work trying to accomplish exactly what Robin is highlighting for us, which is that connection from all of you business leaders to education to articulate because Janine and her colleagues, well, Janine's, I won't put her in that class, higher mostly uh, has done, has, has had a hard time struggling to understand what employers need. And really, I think that's the beauty of uh, Colorado Succeeds and their mission is connecting business to higher ed to say, this is what Colorado needs. This is what our employer base needs. Janine, uh, uh, really quickly, and then I do have a question for you, uh, Jason. Go ahead, Jason. Well, uh, you know, we have declining um, higher education rates for men, mm -hmm. and it's endemic in, in, in the whole country. We've seen that. And, um, you know, a, a report from CSI recently asked the question, where are the men, or more specifically, where are the men in our colleges, for example? So what is, this, what is the solution? Right. Imagine <laughs> that question. But yes. Yeah. Listen, real quick, by the numbers, um, Graduating straight out of high school, 70% of females immediately go into a four-year uh, uh, college program as opposed to 55% of men, all right? So that's the college going rate on the data side, right? And then um, on the workforce side, and, and Tamara Ryan's report was, was great, please go, go read that, where are the men, uh, she notes that um, in the last seven years, there's been a 2% decrease in male labor participation. Uh, folks, this has social implications. This has economic implications. It's a problem uh, that must be solved. So yeah, we have to be thoughtful. And yeah, you know, as strange as it sounds uh, to, to some, uh, we do have to tailor some thoughts, some insights, some policies, some solutions towards addressing that male-specific issue, because we need that workforce participation writ large and specifically men, because there's a declining participation rate. Uh, so we have to figure out these problems. And, and, and a point that Mayor Kaufman made so eloquently, there is a huge um, uh, problem. There's a huge problem with the value proposition, uh, the cost of college, uh, the exclusivity and selectiveness, versus the debt, like these are all issues that have to be considered carefully. And all I'm saying is arm young people with the information. At an age appropriate level, let's make sure they know what their true options are and where those education pathways can lead. Uh, the, the, the careers that are in demand, upwardly mobile, well-paying, we have the information. The fact that we're not systemically embedding that into the K-12 high school learning experience is shame on us. We got to do better. And, and it's all over the place. You've got so many different websites, even Junior Achievement has a website. 
Well, and it's not the best. I mean, it, if we could just like use our big brains, like CSI could use their big brains, Chris, yours, to like oh, get all that data in one place, it, it, it would be game, it could be very think, helpful. I think we have, I'm sorry, Mayor, you, go ahead. Well, sir. I tell you, I, I think young people are starting to get it. Because if you look at polling data of 10 years ago, I think it was about 70% of young people saw uh, the value proposition in, in, in a four-year institution. Now that number's about, uh, the last number I saw was about 41%. In 10 years, that's a very significant decline. And that's because they're seeing uh, their siblings or they're seeing uh, their, their older friends graduate from college and not having a credible future. And so I, I think that it, now it is time, and I know MSU's have, I've visited some of their programs, you know, some very good programs, but now it's time for higher ed in general to, to basically re reorient. And I hope our legislature gets, reads this study because it's so important in terms of where they're going to put their dollars uh, in terms of higher education. Are they going to put it uh, in areas where, where young people can really contribute to the economy and, and earn a living wage, or are they going to put it across the board to, to uh, salvage the status quo in higher education, and, and so uh, it's, it's, I think it's really, that part of it is gonna be market driven, but part of it needs to be uh, through our, our legislature and our governor. Luigi, really, really quick, yeah, one, really one, quick. one point. Um, Colorado, we have been fortunate, right? We are so attractive that we're able to import well-educated workers, and that has frankly been our saving grace, but that is not the most sensible or sustainable solution. We need our homegrown talent. We have to make a connected pipeline between K-12, higher education, and workforce in ways that make a lot more sense than what we do now. The homegrown talent piece is not only important uh, for the individual livelihoods, fulfillment, and success of Coloradans, uh, but also has huge um, economic implications, in this case, uh, to the tune of $3 billion we have just, on the GDP. We have just one minute. So, sir, really quickly, your question. I wanted to, so you know where I sit, if you wanted to stand. I've got two bachelors, two masters, I believe highly in education. Uh, I've also been working for the past 25 years with Encore Electric to try, try and get more people into the trades. So you guys, I, I love the work that you're doing, I really do. Um, we need to, language matters, we need to stop the, not everybody's qualified to go to college. That comment, flip it. Not everybody can go into the trades, right? How's that feel? So, um, you know, think about that. So we need to stop that language. So, and then also, uh, I, you, you guys nailed it. Give, show people all the, uh, all the career connected opportunities. And then we're missing something. And that's everybody in this room. Honor them for the choices they make, right? And then get the heck out of their way. Yeah. Thank you. Good. Very good. Thank you. And I think that's a very good note to, uh, to end. I, just really quickly, you know, I poke fun at my profession because, well, sometimes it can get pretty comical. But journalism, I think, is the only profession that teaches a young person to research really quickly, turn that research into a memo, and communicate that in the most succinct and clear way. And I am very happy and very grateful that I am a journalist. And on that note, if you don't have a subscription to Colorado Politics and the Denver Gazette, which is the reason why I'm here, please do subscribe. Kristen, take it away, ma'am. Um, big round of applause for all of our panelists.
want to leave you all with a coffee mug as a moment. Thanks for being here today. So, Mayor Coffee, Mayor Stevens. Here, grab it now. Luigi, we have one for you too. But one more big round of applause for our panelists. Um, please, please, please read the report. I am going to pass it off to our Colorado board chairman, one of CSI's co-founders, Buzz Coble, to wrap up the program today. Buzz? Wow. I can just say, wow. That was quite a day. So just think about this. First of all, all of us make sacrifices of time in our life. We run around the track. There's a reason there's so many people in this room this morning. We are making a difference. And can't tell you how much I appreciate you all coming. And Earl Wright, who, who's created this wonderful space for to have these kind of meetings. But just want you to think about it a little bit here. Um, we make a difference at CSI. You heard it this morning. What is the future of the world? It's education. So you came and you heard things that are really important about the future of the world, but all the things that we are very deliberate and thoughtful about what we're doing, it's to make a difference in the world and it's to improve the jobs and the economy and the opportunities in Colorado. And so, you know, when, when, when companies and organizations grow, it's because there's a need. We have proven there is a need. Uh, when we got started with Earl 12 years ago, we took great pride in putting out four, maybe five reports. What did you hear earlier? 85. Um, think about, uh, Chris, 15, 16 fellows. So think about this. We evolved over time, and we knew that we needed to be effective in terms of what we did. You couldn't begin to hire the number of people to do 85 reports, so we created this fellows program with some of the brightest minds in the state in the various subjects that we, we were doing our reports on. So I tell you that because in the end, companies only grow and succeed if they're efficient and they provide a return on investment. And what I'm telling you is what you've heard today, just about today's report, the skills gap, if you think about what we did as part of that, the diagnostic tool that we've come up with to help this information, we were very successful in, in Proposition HH. We did that because another cutting edge thing we did, we created a calculator that people could actually go online and figure out what it meant to them personally. So I tell you this because um, I take no more greater pride than being involved in CSI since the beginning and privileged to be the chair right now. But I can assure all of you that when you have the dollars that you have that you're looking to put in places to get a really good return on investment, this is a great place 
to allocate some of your dollars because we have made some great, meaningful impacts in our state, and that's why we continue to grow, and that's why we're doing so many studies. We just don't do studies to study. We sit around and decide what are the most critical things that affect jobs in the economy in Colorado. And with that, we are providing an impact. And the fact that so many of you are here this morning validates we're doing a great job, and I appreciate what the entire team does, and we're gonna to continue to make a difference in Colorado. Please invest in us, thank you.